Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, good morning to all of you here in the worship center, as well as those who are joining us online. What a joy to worship together this morning. We are concluding our series entitled, An Overcoming Faith. And we've been talking about facing uncertainty without fear. And we've sought to give you three words of encouragement in this series. In week one, the word was confident. Be confident. Believe in God's sovereignty. And that's really uh, what our faith is built on. And we said in that first week's message, God will not allow anything to happen to his world or his people that he has not already planned to use for his purpose. We can be confident in our sovereign God, no matter what's going on around us in our, in our nation or in our private lives, we can have confidence in our sovereign God. And then last week we talked about be persuasive. Be persuasive. Maintain your convictions with grace. And our big idea last week was live so that people will listen to the gospel. Live so that people will listen to that old, old story that Sally sang so beautifully about. And to do that, we need to not consider people who are far from Christ and think and act differently than we think and act as enemies. Uh, but instead, we need to think of them and see them as people who God loves, people for whom Jesus died, people that we should try to find common ground with, no matter how many differences we might have, to try to find some common ground to befriend them for the sake of the gospel and the sake of their soul. So be persuasive. Maintain your convictions with grace. And so today we conclude the series as we together are facing 2021, which is indeed a year of uncertainty. There are so many things as we look around us that could pull us into fear. But our word today is be courageous. Be courageous. Let faith extinguish your fear. I saw a story in the news this week uh, that uh, at the San Diego Zoo, two gorillas had tested positive for COVID. And the question came to my mind, who was brave enough to stick that COVID test swab up that gorilla's nose? I mean, really, if you've had that test, anybody out there, it feels like they're poking on your brain. Who thought it was a good idea to do that to a gorilla? But you, but you have to admit, that took courage, right? But the courage we're talking about today is an entirely different kind of courage. It's the kind of courage that is based upon our faith in God. Faith is the antithesis of fear. Faith instills courage in the heart and life of the Christ follower. Or as our big idea puts it, faith can turn your fear into courage. And the story that we're going to see today is of three young men who had 
every earthly reason to fear. But instead, they trusted in the God of heaven with extraordinary and inspiring courage. So if you have your Bible with you, and I hope you do, both here in the worship center and at home, open it to the Old Testament book of Daniel. And we'll look at a few verses in Daniel chapter 1, and then our story will unfold from Daniel chapter 3. So while you're finding the book of Daniel, let me give you some historical context. As the book of Daniel opens, it's about 605 B.C. And the city, the holy city of Jerusalem is in ruins because the nation and the city and the government and the people of Israel have been defeated and conquered by a pagan king. And it's an era in which faith in God for them was more important than ever. So if you found it, read with me. If not, follow along on the screen as our scripture text, as always, will be from the New Living Translation. We'll begin with Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah, and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his little g, God. As you see this, Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was the most powerful force in the world. He didn't realize that he was just a pawn in the hands of our sovereign God. I don't want you to miss what it said in verse 2. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim. The Lord permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple. Nebuchadnezzar didn't do a single thing that our God had not permitted and planned and ordained for him to do for his purpose. You see, this is how our God works. God sometimes chooses to use those who don't know him as unwitting accomplices in his divine plan. That's what our God does. And God's plan continued to unfold, beginning in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, 
Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. By the way, here's what I think is a timely truth that we observe from this story. If you are ever worried about who is in power, remind yourself that your God is not worried. In fact, he's not worried at all, not in the least. If God can use a pagan king like Nebuchadnezzar, and he can, He can use any leader he chooses, and he will, whether they know it or not. You see, at this point in the story, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't concerned about being used by God. It wasn't in his mind. It wasn't even on his radar. He only wanted to exalt himself, and he used his kingdom's wealth to do it. Pick up the narrative now in the third chapter of Daniel. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. But not everyone obeyed. You see, there was a line drawn here. This was not an issue that had any gray area. There was no black and white. It was either abandon God and worship Nebuchadnezzar or die. But not everyone did. In fact, those three young Jews refused to do so, and the officials immediately took the news to Nebuchadnezzar. Pick it up with verse 12. They said to the king, But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. You see, these Babylonian officials knew exactly what they were doing. They resented and hated these gifted young Jews who had taken leadership positions that these officials wanted for themselves. And they saw this as their opportunity to take them out. And so they played it up big to Nebuchadnezzar, counting on the king making good on his threat. And he did, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. 
Let's just stop for a moment and find a lesson for us today. Here's the lesson. Taking a stand for the Lord will sometimes be met with resistance or even hostility. We'd like to think if we do what is right before God, people would applaud us and appreciate us. But more and more as our culture becomes increasingly secularized and and hostile toward the things of God, the cost is going to become greater and greater to take a stand for Him. It was true in their day and it's true in our day. And today, if you take a stand for protecting the unborn or the biblical model of marriage and family or compassionate care for the poor that demands responsibility and prohibits entitlement or whatever biblical issue you would want to choose, if you take a stand for what is right before God, you and I may not get thrown in a furnace but we will certainly be met with resentment or scorn or ridicule or rejection. And it's possible we may be portrayed as bigoted, hateful, evil people, even though we're taking a stand for what is right before God. Well, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was more than just words of opposition. Their very lives were at stake as they confronted King Nebuchadnezzar. Pick it up in the middle or the end of verse 13. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship this statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Nebuchadnezzar believed that he held their lives in his hands. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed that their lives were in God's hands. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now here's something I want you to notice. Their response to Nebuchadnezzar was not with threatening words. They didn't call him names. You pagan king, you don't, you know, you think your furnace is hot, wait till you get to hell. You know, he didn't, none of those kind of words. Instead, they spoke to him with respect, your majesty. And yet, there was no negotiation, there was no wavering, they left no doubt where they stood. And here's the lesson we take from that. Always speak the truth with grace, but never with compromise.
Always speak the truth with grace, but never compromise. Nebuchadnezzar thought he had the power to show everyone what would happen if anyone dared to defy him and refused to worship him. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And if we took the time to read the next verses, you'll find that the furnace was so hot that it killed the soldiers that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in but it didn't kill them because they were not alone. Look at verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, King Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. (laughs) Biblical scholars have debated through the years whether this was an angel of the Lord or if this was indeed the pre-incarnate Christ himself. Well, I don't know that I have an answer to that, but here's what I do know. Whichever one was the case, here's what we can take from that for us. When we suffer because we've done what is right for the Lord, we can be sure He is with us. He was with them and He is with us, even if we are in the fire. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. I mean, can you just capture the the drama of that in your mind? Can you imagine that that pagan king feeling the blazing heat from the furnace that was so hot that it had killed his soldiers and yet seeing those three young Jews in there unharmed along with one more. And I have no doubt in that moment he remembered the words Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had spoken to him when they said, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us. The end of verse 26. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. (laughs) 
These three young men had faith in their God instead of fear in their circumstances. And because of that, God revealed his great power through them. Even a pagan king had to acknowledge and applaud their faith and their courage and to praise their God. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And he didn't stop there. Verse 29. Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar said, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. We're not told if Nebuchadnezzar ever fully put his faith and trust in the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he could not deny that their God was real, and he was powerful, and he was faithful to those who trusted in him. And here's what I want us to take from this story. If we will be Christ followers who live with faith and not fear. If we will live and love and act toward all people like Jesus, we too will win the attention and the admiration of those who don't know him, and maybe it will be a step toward their trusting in our Savior too. We conclude the story with verse 30. Verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Living with courage mattered for them, and it matters for us. When unbelievers see evidence of God's presence and power in our lives, it will have an impact on them for Christ. So I want to wrap up this series and and leave you with three challenges, our next steps. Number one, don't be discouraged if God's plan is unfolding differently than you thought it would. Boy, isn't that the truth for all of us? Don't be discouraged if God's plan is unfolding differently than you thought it would. Take courage in Him. Whether we can see or understand what God is doing, we serve a sovereign God who is in control. All things, all people, all leaders, our nation, our world is in His hand. And He will accomplish His purpose. So don't be discouraged. Take courage. Number two. When you're called on to take a stand for what is right for the Lord, 
do so with grace and courage. More and more we're going to be confronted with ideas and and philosophies and actions that are unbiblical. They're contrary to the teaching of Scripture. More and more, we're going to be called on to take a stand. And when we do, we must not be obstinate or ugly or condescending or self-righteous. We must be filled with grace, but without compromise. We must speak the truth in love and trust in God. One more. When you're in a situation from which you see no way out, when you're in the fire, reject fear and embrace faith and courage. Listen, if he can rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the furnace, he can rescue us. There is no safer place to be than faithfully following the Lord. So have faith, because faith can turn your fear into courage. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to be people of faith. Help us to believe, not just give lip service to, but truly believe that you are indeed a sovereign God who has all things under control that your plan is unfolding just as you knew it would, and that even when there are leaders who don't know you and think they have the power, Lord, help us to remember that you are the one who has the power. You are the one who is in control. Our sense of security and confidence is not in any human leader. It is in you. So help us to trust you. Help us to have faith. And because of our faith, to be people of courage. Thank you for the people of God. I pray that you would hold them up with your mighty right hand in these days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.